Mac Jones is ripped. Matt Patricia is calling plays. The Celtics are title favorites. And The Ringer has a new Boston show. I'm Brian Barrett, host of Off the Pike, the show covering all things Boston sports. I'll have shows multiple times a week covering your favorite teams and with your favorite Ringer and local guests. Plus, maybe Bill will stop by to rant about the Sox. Follow Off the Pike with me, Brian Barrett, now on Spotify. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Welcome into the Ringer Gambling Show. Austin Gill here with JJ, John Dostremski, and Raheem the Dream Palmer talking reactions to the preseason. Some big market swings, specifically in the NFC East. I want to talk Eagles. I want to talk Cowboys. That futures market is changing rapidly compared to where we were for the draft. There's also some other teams drawing buzz, the Lions via HBO and Hard Knocks and all those things. Dolphins looking really good in the preseason. But before we get into more team-specific stuff and, and look at you know, how you know, the markets are reacting to individual you know, team markets, there are two bigger trends that we saw in the preseason that will probably affect betting at least early in the season, week one, maybe week one through week four. Raheem, I know you noticed illegal contact. Illegal contact on defense getting called a lot more in the preseason. That's been an emphasis for the referees to call that more often. That's going to lead to more what? Automatic first downs and then lead to more points. So maybe overs having more value in the first four weeks of the season, maybe in previous years. And then the other piece of this too is that the home teams covering the spread way more often than maybe even previous preseasons, Raheem. But of those two things, what do you think is going to stick through the regular season? And and I guess, what's the impact? I think it's definitely the illegal contact. I mean, when you look at the previous two times the NFL has emphasized illegal contact in 2004 and 2014, 2000, in 2004, it jumped from 79 to 191 the following year. In 2014, it almost tripled from 52 to 148 the following year. So when you look at last season, they only caught 37 illegal contact penalties all season long. In week one of the preseason, they called 15. So this is going to be a major emphasis. And you can look to start playing some overs, some team total overs, because, look, I mean, this is, I mean, automatic first down is huge. Um, and it's not like, look, it's probably going to, you're probably going to get three or four more a game. And, you know, that could truly impact, um, you know, the, the, the total. So. I think that one is more likely to stick when it comes to home teams. I mean, look, look at home teams um, during the preseason. They've absolutely dominated. Um, that's not likely to continue. I mean, the last three seasons, home teams are 
356 and 404. Um, that's 46.8% the last three seasons. We've seen home field advantage really decline since 2016. I mean, 2016, I had it almost three points. Now it's almost nothing. So I think that's going to be really huge for week one when you see there's all these home dogs. So I, I don't think you want to blindly play under home dogs the way you did in the past. Two things one there. Thing, though, oh, go one ahead, thing, though, one thing to be fair of when it comes mm-hmm. to the totals in the beginning of the year, the quality of play Always, especially now with training camp not being as hard hitting and the preseason is not as long and guys don't play as much, there's a lot of sloppy play. And I think we're going to have a lot of sloppy play early. So I think Raheem's point overarching throughout the course of the year, I'm in. I totally get that. First couple weeks, though, be careful because these teams usually offensively are not ready to go. And it feels like the last couple of years, the defenses have been way ahead of the offenses in a lot of these games. And I think keying in on the illegal contact penalty, remember that's when contact is made with a receiver from a defensive player after five yards. And that's something that has, like you said, not been called a lot in the NFL. More often they're looking at defensive pass interference if the ball's already in the air. And if it's not, they're kind of just letting them be physical out there. But obviously you've seen in the preseason that called a lot more and as teams start to throw the ball more and they see more of those penalties getting called, I think that could have a situation where teams are scoring a lot more. And for home field advantage, a lot of that changed right during COVID. A lot of, you know, a lot of that was impacted during COVID and all that stuff with people obviously not in the stands. And I think, you know, 2016, like you said, it's probably a three point that you're looking at now, probably closer to two, one and a half or whatever it may be. Getting into more team specific trends. I think the biggest one I want to talk about with you guys, and I had this conversation on the Ringer NFL podcast feed with Jason Goff, is this Matt Patricia Joe Judge combo of offensive play calling in New England. You know, Matt Jones last year, the rookie first-round pick out of Alabama, had a really successful season with Josh McDaniels in that offense. Way exceeded expectations versus what people expected of him. I think he ranked top 15 in PFF grade, top 15 in efficiency, regardless of what advanced metric you look at. Now, every training camp report, people that have been covering the Patriots since the dawn of time are saying this offense looks clunky. And when you see clunky on an offense that just doesn't have enough talent to be sloppy like you said jj i worry about this zig bill belichick is making and not naming an offensive coordinator giving longtime defensive coach matt patricia the opportunity to call plays for an offense that's still very young right and to go from having a lot of success with josh mcdaniels really gaining confidence as a rookie to now looking a little clunky with a an offense that isn't chock full of talent, right? I think their leading receiver will probably be Jacoby Myers. They have not used John U. Smith and Hunter Henry, the two tight ends they paid big money for really well last year. I worry about this offense. I worry about them out of the gate. I think this Patriots team is going to be sloppy. Is that an overreaction? No. Guys, go back to our AFC's podcast that we did about a month, month and a half ago. I, I told you guys, this is one of my favorite totals of the year. The Patriots are going under eight and a half wins. I know Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time, and I know he's worth the win or two. Whoopty freaking do. The personnel on that team is not up to Patriots standard. M- Matt Patricia or Joe Judge calling the plays? No, thank you. And the AFC is too good. It's too good. Now, the Patriots, I get it. Belichick, he's the, the sorcerer, the wizard, whatever you want to call him. They are going under eight and a half wins. It's one of my favorite plays of the year. I love it, Raheem. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And look, you know, last year, Bill Belichick, who I referred to as Jeff Fisher in a hoodie, um, it's like he tried (laughs) to protect Michael McArthur Jones. I'm not calling him Mac Jones. He's Michael McArthur. Um, 
he tried to protect him. But how are you going to pre- protect this quarterback this year when this team could take a step back on defense? I mean, you got a Larry Holmes status version of Malcolm Butler at, at cornerback. You got Jalen Mills. You lose J.C. Jackson. If Marcus Jones isn't a thing, they're really in trouble defensively. So I don't know how you can protect Matt Jones this year. And, and, and let him just be the guy where, all right, we're going to run the ball heavy like they did in that Buffalo game. He's going to have to take a step forward. And I don't know how you take a step forward if you don't have Josh McDaniels, if you don't have an offensive coordinator. With the preseason, right, and we take every reaction with a grain of salt, and I even think through the first two, three weeks of the season, you should take a lot of what happens with a grain of salt and not overreact. The number one thing, though, that I think sticks is comfortability, right? When you see rookies or first-year players or debut players comfortable in an offense, that's when I think you can get excited. Matt Jones has looked the opposite, like completely uncomfortable. In that Raiders preseason game, his last one of the season, he threw a pick in like six tuple coverage. Like there were six defenders there. I do think that he shows a gross lack of comfortability in this new offense and probably Matt Patricia too, right? Calling offense plays for the first time in his coaching career. Staying in the AFC East, JJ's Miami Dolphins. Look, Absolutely incredible in the preseason. No offense in the NFL had a higher EPA per play average than the Miami Dolphins this preseason. They're already getting some flack for maybe showing their hand too much. And Mike McDaniel, the first-year head coach there, kind of getting a little sexy with the offense, not being super vanilla. But I'll tell you what, Tua Tungvaloa needs confidence. And he should have confidence coming out of this preseason where he looked really, really good. And so did Skylar Thompson. So did Teddy Rett. I mean, this was a really, really talented offense for Miami. And there's a lot of reason to like it for even beyond the scheme with Mike McDaniel, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, an improved offensive line with Teron Armstead. They're plus 450 or plus 400 in some spots to win this AFC East. And I think it is a common bet right now. JJ, I'll start with you. It's your Dolphins. Should we continue to pour praise after what was a really good three games in the preseason? Guys, I'm fired up. Now, <laughs> I'm not fired up enough to go and put my money on them to win a division because here's the problem. They've gotten absolutely punked by Buffalo. Buffalo eliminated from the playoffs two years ago in week 17, smoked them. Last year, bullied them. So before I'm buying into the Dolphins to win the AFC and to challenge the Buffalo Bills, I need to see them mano a mano, take them on and play a competitive game with that particular team. But, Told you guys this again on our AFC's preview. I'm in on the Dolphins to make the playoffs at plus 140. I think there's going to be confidence for Tua knowing that Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle can take a play for a touchdown at any given moment. Now, two big keys for the Dolphins. The health of Teron Armstead on that offensive line and Byron Jones, who's not going to play the first couple weeks in the secondary. That scares me a little bit, but I love the continuity on defense. You guys know I'm betting them week one against the New England Patriots. They got to survive the beginning of the year where they got Baltimore, Buffalo, and Cincinnati early. Then late in the year, they got the Chargers, the Niners, the Bills, the Packers. The middle of their season, they should feast. They got a lot of winnable games in the middle of the year. But I think they're anywhere anywhere from a 9 to an 11-win football team. I think they're a playoff team, boys. I really do. Yeah, I think you got to go over eight and a half. I mean, look, I think what we're seeing with the Dolphins right now, they've made all the improvements in the world. And when you look at last season, with two under center, the Dolphins went seven and four with a plus 34 point differential. So obviously he suffered some injuries last year. You know, four of those early season losses came with Jacoby Brissett under center. And they've really improved this team. I mean, you add Tyree Hill, you add Teron Armstead. This is a bad offensive line. And so much of the NFL is what's around you. 
what's around your quarterback? Are you putting him in a position to succeed? And I like Mike McDaniel. I, I just think it's a huge upgrade in ter- offensively in terms of a head coach. So I, I think what we're seeing with the Dolphins is real. Tua Tungvaluwa on FanDuel right now, minus 112 aside. His passing yards is set at 3,800.5. And I, it's usually one I'll stay away from, especially with an off-injured quarterback. But I think this passing offense is going to be legit. I, I do think that McDaniel knows what he's doing with Tua Tungvaluwa. And I know a lot of the hype in the preseason has been talk, him talking about like he's the most accurate quarterback he's ever played with and all, all this kind of like hyperbolic conversation around Tua. But 17 games this year, he's healthy. I do think he clears that mark. I think this this offense is too high-octane and too pass-heavy and too creative not to really have success with Tua Tungvaluwa, again, if he's healthy. I think that's a line I do look at a little bit to start, obviously, if you're willing to kind of like swallow that injury risk. Moving to the NFC East, this is probably a futures market that has moved the most, right? The Eagles, and I've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast, after they traded for A.J. Brown, after they added Jordan Davis in the draft, the Sunday after the 2022 NFL draft, you could place a bet on the Eagles to win the NFC East at plus 275. And I think they were plus money to make the playoffs. Now, they have the same odds to win the conference as the Dallas Cowboys, the same odds at plus 150 on FanDuel to win the division in the NFC East, and they're minus money to make the playoffs. Like There is a lot of hype building around this Philadelphia Eagles team. All that has happened after the A.J. Brown trade and through the offseason, right, and where they've added not necessarily a lot of other talent. I know they just traded for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, traded away Jalen Rager to kind of recoup some of those picks, but this roster hasn't significantly improved since the draft. What has changed is public perception. Are they right? Are they right to be backing Philly at this level? I think they are. I mean, when you uh, look, this is... When it comes to Jalen Hurts, this is his true second year. I mean, because obviously, you know, you had a change in head coach and now you got some pieces around him. I mean, you still have one of the top offensive lines in the league. You still have a solid defense. You add A.J. Brown. To me, I think this is their division to win. And now I I know I've been giving the Giants a lot of love, but I've really disliked the Cowboys this year. And I've said it from the beginning. I'm, I'm a Cowboys fan, hardcore, but... I mean, their turnover luck last year was a, a major cause for why they were so successful. And look, you you lose Amari Cooper. Um, Michael Gallup hasn't come back from injury. I mean, just you lose Tyron Smith. Like that's that's the major loss right now. And that that was that was the biggest reason why we saw that line move from the Cowboys being, you know, favorites to now they're even money with the the Philadelphia Eagles at plus. 145. So I, I think the Eagles are the rightful favorite, but I'm not high on the Cowboys at all. My biggest fear is Jalen Hurts because everything about Philadelphia screams, fellas, that they are a better team than the Dallas Cowboys, except for the quarterback position. But we know this about the NFC East. You don't get the repeat champ ever. The Eagles were the last team to do it. Going back to when Donovan freaking McNabb was the quarterback, for goodness sakes. Like, nobody repeats in the NFC East. So, I hate to keep buying that the preseason narrative and reaction is justified. But in this case, Austin, Raheem, it is, man. It is. And I think that market moving tells you all you need to know. Now, this is not one of my favorite ones because it's just gotten way too public. And to be perfectly honest, I feel like I missed the boat. On the Eagles, like I know a lot of folks, I know you guys have talked about it. 
talking about plus 250, 275, all that good stuff. Now I'm like, damn, plus 140 to win the division. I'm out. I missed the boat. Uh, I'm going to let that one sail away. If I'm putting a prediction, though, on who's winning the division, I'd ride with the Eagles. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. College football is back and FanDuel is putting you in the middle of the action because right now all customers can get a no sweat bet for week one. That means free bets back if your bet doesn't win for everybody. Just log into your account to see how much your no sweat bet Will be. There's so many different ways to bet on college football. Try same game parlay. Jump in the action with live betting or bet on who you think will win it all with national championship futures. So, week one for me, I have the Florida Gators lined up getting two and a half against an overhyped Utah team. Sign me up for that. I think Cincinnati getting points against Arkansas is also something to keep in mind. So, I can't wait to bet these games Saturday. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. And you also got to know, FanDuel's also live in Kansas. So our folks in Kansas, welcome to the party. Welcome to the fun. The app is so easy to use. They're always hooking you up with great odds. And when you win, you'll get paid fast. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel app today and sign up with promo code GAMBLERS to get a no-sweat bet to kick off the college football season. That's gamblers. 21 plus. 21 and present in select states. Refund issues. Non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fandle.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 100 next step or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut, 109 with it in Indiana, visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. 
I do think too much public money has been poured on the Eagles for them to be a value bet. You can bet their win total right now over nine and a half on FanDuel. That's juiced to minus 145. That's insane. They were eight and a half to open the pre- open the offseason. It's all the way out to nine and a half and almost juiced to a point where it's ten and a half. You can go to an alternate win total and get over ten and a half at plus 140. That maybe has more value if you really are buying the Eagles being this like dominant, dominant team in the NFC East. But honestly, I would stay away from it at this point. Stay away. There's the value has been beat, uh, you know, beat out. Right. <laughs> That's probably not the best expression, but the value is gone. The value is gone in the, uh, for the Eagles. I do think that they're a really talented team. I think the two things that scare me the most is now heightened expectations. Right. This Eagles team is not an underdog anymore. Everyone's expecting them to be really successful. And then number two, obviously, is the uncertainty around Jalen Hurts. He's still going to have some accuracy concern. Right. But I don't think. This is the the key thing with the concern around Jalen Hurts. He does not have to be a superhero to be good. He doesn't have to be the guy for this Eagles team as talented as they are with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, I'd argue a top 10, maybe even top 8 offensive line, and defensively, a team that's really built on the back end. How you want to be building teams uh, defensively in 2022 with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Darius Slay, so much talent in the secondary. I really do think that the Eagles, combined with Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni, who I think are very two underrated coaches and GMs in the NFL, I think this Eagles team is right to be backed by the public at this regard, but I think the value is now out now that everyone and their mother is is backing the Eagles. On to San Francisco. I was recently talking with Jason about this too, right? You, you saw that Jimmy Garoppolo is not being traded away from San Francisco after a February where he literally was in near tears communicating to 49ers faithful that he, you know, he, you know, appreciation for being on the team, expecting to be traded, expecting to be even cut from this football team as the Trey Lance era began. Something has changed from the teary-eyed Jimmy G essentially being told he's out to now being the highest paid backup in the NFL. That could either be Jimmy G's willingness to renegotiate a contract, but I think it's, some of that is, is definitely what it is, but also some indecision from Kyle Shanahan, some indecision from the front office, and putting all of their eggs, 100% of their eggs, in this Trey Lance basket that we just haven't seen a lot of. You know, I was mentioning this recently. He only had one completion over 10 air yards in the preseason, 16 in his career in the regular season. There is not a big sample size of Trey Lance production, and that is worrisome if you are going to put all your eggs in that basket. How does this affect, you know, having Jimmy G there now, their futures market? I think we saw Warren Sharp, who does a lot on this feed with the ringer, talking about the stability of their futures now. You know, you feel really confident that if Trey Lance doesn't work out, Jimmy G is there and can maintain this minus 220 playoff projection that they have on FanDuel right now, over 10 and a half wins. Are, are we on that same boat? Do we feel Jimmy G staying there is such a positive effect on their futures market? And I guess, how do you think this plays out with, with Trey Lance ultimately? You know, it's interesting because I've been big on the Niners. I've been bullish on the Niners because I figured Trey Lance would come in and just hit the ground running and grasp the concepts of what Kyle Shanahan's looking to do. Didn't have a knock his socks off preseason. He's still going to be the guy. But I you could look at it one of two ways. You could say, oh, Garoppolo's there. It's a negative for Lance. He's looming. That's going to screw him up. Or you could say, hey, you got an insurance policy of a quarterback. Say what you want about him. Who was leading that team with a lead in the second half of an NFC title game against the champs and took that Niner team to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago and is efficient. Say what you want about Jimmy Garoppolo. He is efficient. I got no problem with him being there because I look at it this way. The Niners have a loaded roster. You give the youngster a chance to say, all right, big boy, you got the arm talent. You got the mobility. Go see me. Go. Let's go see if you could play. And if he can't, then Jimmy G gets his job back for a year. I'm I'm okay with that. Like competition, throw them into the freaking lions, then boys. That's what I'm saying. Find 
Fine for me, who's got a Niner Futures bet to win the Super Bowl. I got no problems there. Yeah, I, I don't want anything to do with Niners Futures right now. And I, I think, you know, we've all heard the phrase, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Um, this could totally tear the locker room apart because you have some of those veteran guys who they went to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. They went to an NFC Championship with Jimmy Garoppolo. You look at the 49ers' record with Jimmy Garoppolo. They've won. Like, now, he could have played his Trump Dilfer role where he's just handed the ball off a ton, but they've won when he's in the lineup. And Trey Lance, to me, you watched him in games last year where he looked completely lost. He flashes some talent, but hes I don't think he's ready yet. Um, you know, you mentioned his intended air yards. I think he played in a preseason game where he had one pass that went over 15 yards. So I think you're going to have, you know, moments of brilliance from Trey Lance. He's going to be able to run and scramble and make that zone run scheme more dangerous. But it's just, I think he's going to have moments to where it's just, God damn. It's like, do you, I, I don't even know if I can trust the 49ers to lay points almost seven points on the road against the Bears because of Trey Lance. So it's just like, to me, I'm, I'm kind of sitting their futures out. How they um, handle I, that's going to be fascinating, boys. Let's be honest. That's yeah. going to be a fascinating dynamic if he is there because the moment Trey Lance struggles, not that Jimmy Garoppolo is, you know, the conquering hero at quarterback, but all of that success with he and Kyle Shanahan, all of that success. Let's say the Niners get off to like a two and three start and their offense is underperforming. You're going to hear folks saying, hey, maybe try and go win and turn the reins over to Garoppolo. But I I would rather that from my future standpoint as opposed to not having that. And if Lance stinks, then what? You know what I mean? I'm definitely on the the JJ side of like the futures market, right? Like I don't like, I don't, maybe I don't pick them to win the Super Bowl, but I, I do like the over nine and a half wins more that Jimmy G's there. I do like their plus 175 to win the NFC West now that Jimmy G's there. What I don't like, now is any Trey Lance futures that he could, you could still bet his under 3,300 and a half passing yards right now on Bandle at minus 112. That's an under I like under his rushing yards because I don't, I think the leash is short. And I agree with you when you look at that week one line, I think they're six and a half point favorites, maybe seven in some spots. You know, the Niners guess- are going to be one of the most public teams going into week one. Like, I'll, I'll put it this way, boys. Spoiler alert. I will not have the Niners in the Circus Super Contest uh, next week. You don't got to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, probably, I think it's just it's, it's very interesting that, you know, Trey Lance was almost 50 to one to win MVP. That's been bet down to 25 to one. And despite his preseason struggles, we haven't really seen that line come back the opposite way. Um, you know, there was more money on Trey Lance to win MVP than Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers combined, which is pretty absurd to me. Man, uh, this is going to be a fascinating season. I do think the, the most salient point you made there in Raheem and something that I wholesale buy into is the locker room. The locker room. How they ha- how how the locker room handles Trey Lance, good or bad, is wholesale different with Jimmy G still in a San Francisco 49ers uniform. No one's talking shit about Lance if Brock Purdy's the backup. You know, it was like, oh man, Lance is kind of struggling, but we're not going to start Purdy. You know, we're not we're not going to start this other kid, right? But if Jimmy G's there and you got some receivers chitter chattering, you got Debo maybe making some play, you know, making some comments. You have uh, Nick Bosa on the defense side of the ball. That's the same situation we saw with Tua Tagovailoa and Ryan Fitzpatrick, which really, I think, stunted the development of Tua and stunted the confidence. Yeah. And I think that's why I really do like that. You know, Mike McDaniel is getting a little aggressive with showing his hand and his playbook for the Miami Dolphins to so bring it back to that. And that giving Tua Tagovailoa some confidence and really giving him the reins. 
other team you know, here. And, and you know, the, no, before we move on, I think the crazy thing about the, the situation is that Jimmy G didn't have the opportunity to win the job. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, if Trey Lance had won the job, you know, they had an open quarterback competition. He won, wins the drop job. I think you have a little different, like, feeling in the locker room. But they just gave him the job. And I just, yeah, I think that's that's a bad look for me. That's a, that's a very good take. This is not a job won by Trey Lance. It's a job job they paid for, right? They, they traded two first-round picks. We can't, you know, like, they, like, look at themselves when you think about investment. I think that's one thing. I'm probably speaking out of turn here. I've never played in the freaking NFL. But if there's one thing that I think players can't get behind is a team or an organization paying big money for a player or investing significant capital for a player and him giving the benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? They want it earned on the field. And when you look at some of the decisions recently that the Raiders have made with Dave Ziegler, the GM formerly from the Patriots, and um, and obviously Josh McDaniels, they outright cut Alex Sutherland. It was a first-round pick a year ago. They're like, I don't care. Trayvon Mullen has been their starting corner for the last three years. They traded him for a seventh-round pick. Like, they don't care. They like they don't care what was invested. They care about who's playing well. And that, I think, players buy into that. And you're not seeing that with San Francisco for right now. You know you know who's won that job is Jimmy G. And now, has he been exceptional? Have there been missed passes in throughout this? Absolutely. But he's been to a Super Bowl, and he's been to an NFC Championship in the last three years. And the only other year he didn't, he was hurt. So, a lot, a lot of interesting, a lot of intrigue in San Francisco. That the more I talk about it, the more I kind of just want to stay away from any line that isn't Trey Lance unders. Trey Lance unders are what I'm going to be betting in, in San Francisco. One more team I wanted to bring up, and maybe a division we could kind of talk through, is the NFC North and specifically the Detroit Lions. And we've seen multiple you know, posts on social media about how much hard knocks has led to some plus seven fifty bets for the Detroit Lions to win the NFC North. I was just recently having lunch with uh, some of my former PFF coworkers, specifically Eric Eager, a data scientist there, who absolutely is restoring the roar for the Detroit Lions. He's like, I like them to win 11 games next year. It's like, no, no, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes on the Dan Campbell teary-eyed speeches. Pump the brakes on Jamal Williams chirping at each other, Terrell Austin and Glenn and all this. No, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not betting the Detroit Lions win FC North. I'm not betting them to make the playoffs. Could they go over the six and a half win total? Sure. I'm not betting them to go the distance in the NFC North or make a postseason berth in what isn't a great NFC. But if you are essentially betting the Detroit Lions, which I think are at plus 410 in that range, maybe in the plus 300 range where you can get them to make the playoffs, you're essentially saying Dallas Cowboys aren't making the playoffs. You're probably saying the Niners aren't making the playoffs. Cardinals, Saints, you're betting against so many other more talented football teams. That's where I think I have to pause and, and pump the brakes. Am I right to kind of slow down the hard knocks, hard knocks hype train that is the Detroit Lions? 1,000%. 1,000%. This is one of the overreactions I got to shut down. You still have Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. The Vikings, to me, are a team that can make noise. We're all in on them. I think they're going to be a playoff team this season. The Bears and Lions are going to still lose a lot of games. What ended up happening with Detroit, and I totally get it, Dan Campbell's a likable dude. He is a guy that's going to inspire. So when you see him on hard knocks, he's going to be very easy to buy into. The Lions still stink. You want to tell me they're a little bit better? Sure. You want to tell me they win a couple more games? Sure. Anybody who's making that 750 bet to win the, the, the division, the playoffs, please send them my way. I am more than happy to grant them a loan. They can bet it with me. I will gladly take their money. That is Donation City. Sorry. Better playoffs? You're like, Jim Mora, playoffs? Come on. Get serious. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, with, I'm with JJ on this. I, I just think, 
you know, obviously this team is going to improve. I mean, last year they were three and thirteen and one, but they had a point differential of minus one forty two. They had so many ga- close games where they probably should have won. I mean, you look at their Pythagorean expectation, um, fourth worst in the league, almost two games under where they should have been. But I just don't think that's enough to get them into the playoffs. This is still a really bad defense. Um, you know, this secondary, they can be passed on. And then also, obviously, the biggest issue with this team is Jared Goff. Um, you know, Jared Goff, he's a solid quarterback, but things need to be perfect for them. Now, they have a solid offensive line, but unfortunately, we all know about Jared Goff's struggles in cold weather. And he plays in the NFC North. He's no longer playing in the NFC West where he could play um, in Arizona or he could play in San Francisco. He's got to go travel to Green Bay. He's He's got to deal with that. So it's just... And he has some cold weather games on the schedule that I just I think that takes them out of the playoffs. All right. I have one more comment for you. And this isn't an overreaction by the market. This isn't an overreaction by any, anyone but myself. I think the Las Vegas Raiders are going to be absolutely terrible next year. Absolutely terrible. Hi, I do not. When you mean Ooh. next year, I'm sorry, Austin. Are we talking 2022 or 2023? <laughs> I'm he talking this, this year. year, this year, this year, this, this year. year. I guess I, I, it's too soon, right? I mean, I guess I forget that with the season I, yeah, starts I just wanted to make sure, you know, <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure. The reaction I have right now is the Las Vegas Raiders, though under Ziegler, under McDaniels, have a much improved philosophical plan, like from a roster building perspective and what they're doing with Leatherwood and what they're doing with Mullen and no bullshit. Everyone's competing for every single spot. You have Josh Jacobs playing in like the third and fourth quarter of preseason games. This team has improved philosophically. I think their their roster has gotten better in key positions, obviously adding Devontae Adams and adding Chandler Jones. I don't think the combination of Derek Carr, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, and then two good players on defense in Chandler Jones and Max Crosby is enough in a really competitive AFC West for them to go over eight and a half wins. I think this is a seven, six win team next year, as good as they are in those spots because they're arguably going to have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. The secondary I don't even think you guys could probably name the starting quarterbacks in Las Vegas, right? I mean, it's 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 a really bad spot in critical positions. The secondary, Nate Hobbs is starting in the slot. They have Deron Harmon potentially seeing reps over Jonathan Abram. And the offensive line, after cutting Alex Leatherwood, is going to be in the bot- in competition for worst offensive line in the NFL. Carr is going to be great. Adams is going to be great. But I just don't think it's enough. It's not enough for this team to be a nine-win team. A nine-win team that already last year, you're going to mention Pythagorean expectation. The Raiders way overperformed. Way overperformed in one-score games last year. This is a team bound to regress from that perspective. They also weren't a super injury-ridden team last year. I think they see that regress a bit. And then you factor in, they are terrible in two highly critical spots for long-term futures. Offensive line and the secondary. That is too much for me. I am reacting very negatively towards their recent moves, very negatively towards what we've seen from their offensive line and what we're going to see from their secondary this upcoming year. Am I wrong to be fading the Raiders? You are not wrong at all. And it, look, it, I see a lot of smart and sharp people on the Raiders. Obviously, right now I'm still in Las Vegas, so I'm seeing all that hype. But I mean, like you said, minus 65-point differential. I mean, they were only the fourth team in NFL history to make the playoffs with the point differential of 65 or worse. Now, a lot of people may think this is kind of like a, a Cincinnati Bengals situation where, you know, adding Devontae Adams is going to help stave off that regression, but I don't see it. I mean, you mentioned the offensive line. I mean, they're a complete mess. This is the bottom five unit in terms of the offensive line. We saw that in the preseason game. I mean, obviously they still have issues at corner. You mentioned that. It's just, to me, look, in the last four seasons, there's been 21 teams who produce a win percentage of 70 
percent or more in close games. And 21 teams saw their close game win percentage drop by almost 50 percent the following year. So it's just, you know, they dominated in one-score games last year. I just think everything is going against them, and then they have the hype. So I like the under as well. I, I totally agree with you. My biggest problem with the Raiders, the division. I don't see a lot of wins coming out of that division. The Chiefs still have Mahomes. You guys know I'm bullish on the Chargers. The Broncos, to me, are a more well-rounded team. So if the Raiders were in a different division, I could make a case for them having a successful season. Tough for me to do in the AFC West. And I'm telling you right now, they get max three playoff teams. Max. The idea that four are going to be like Tom, no, I don't see it. So I, that's why I, we talked about this. I'm on the under for the Raiders this year. I, I don't think they, they, there's a very good chance they aren't favored in any division game this year, even at home against, say, Denver or even the Chargers. I don't think they're favored at home or away against the Chiefs regardless. But there's a good chance that it's a pick them or worse for the Raiders in every division game they're in. I think a 2-4 and four record in the AFC West would be like winning for them. That's maybe a win against the Broncos and a win against the Chargers. It very well could be a more 1-5, and 0-6 oh situation because they are objectively the worst team in their own division. And then when you look at their schedule, it is a better schedule than what they've had in previous years. But I still think that those critical areas where they're obviously weak, the offensive line and in the secondary, and this philosophy of, I think that Ziegler and... You know, uh, Josh McDaniels are very much in this position where they want to improve the team, and that's why they've made aggressive moves in in getting Devontae Adams and adding Chandler Jones. Well, look at the Derek Carr contract. They know this is a one-year team type of prove-it deal. It has team options beyond that, but they're they're really essentially betting on, let's see Derek Carr cook with a really good receiving core and his best friend from college. And if he doesn't hit those marks, maybe we really take this rebuild to the next level. So I do think that there is some short-term decision-making in this, and I just don't know if they're going to live up to the billing. That's it. Thank you, Stefan Anderson, for producing, as always, JJ, John Descremsey, and Raheem Palmer. I think the next podcast we do will be week one of the NFL season, uh, which I cannot wait. Yeah. I cannot wait. Week oh, one yeah. of the NFL season. And, Can't and we wait. got college football this weekend. College football this weekend. I am on Oregon State minus two and a half. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that with you guys. 10 o'clock, Boise State, in Corvallis. Florida, plus the two and a half against Utah. Everybody really? be on that Utah bet. Everyone on that Utah bandwagon because they played so well in the bowl game last year. Give me the Gators plus points at home. Let's go. Love love the parting Ooh. shots. Oregon State minus two and a half at home against Boise State. And then you have Florida Gators at home against the Utes who are getting a ton of public money in the futures market. Florida plus two and a half there. College football is this week. Until next time, Austin Gellerheim and JJ Johnson.